Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of WDW Tales. My uh, history of the days of when I was uh, a theme park employee in Central Florida, mainly focusing on Disney World, uh, but also a couple other parks. Um, as I as I continue to talk through this, then uh, we'll talk about everything that I've done, but uh, what I wanted to do today is continue our conversation about my first attractions job at Epcot, which was a journey into imagination. And you'll have to excuse me a little bit. I'm just getting over a, a bit of a head cold, so I might sound a little, a little weird, um, but I will do my best to make sure I speak clearly so you can hear me. Um, so, today, uh, as I mentioned, I'd love to talk about just a few wrap-ups of Journey to Imagination and then also uh, my days at Honey Has Shrunk the Audience, which they're actually one business unit, so one day you'd be working what uh, we would call iMag, and another day you'd be working Hista for Honey Has Shrunk the Audience, So, uh, as well as a couple other things around the park that, uh, uh, that I'm starting to learn about as a attractions host. And, uh, and all the fun that, uh, that myself and my colleagues at the time would, would get into um, as we traverse the park on our days off. So let's get started. So when I last left you, I just told you about an amazing experience that I had with uh, Robin Williams backstage where uh, he and I had a very, very extremely brief encounter, but one that... I still think about and talk about to this day. So hopefully you heard that in episode three. And uh, if not, well, go listen to it and and then uh, uh, kind of continue on with this episode. In fact, I, I'd encourage you to start with episode one. Um, but if you haven't, then then start with episode three and it'll kind of give you the first uh, the first pass at my experience at Journey to Imagination and, and Attractions. So... Um, I, I think I talked about that a, a pretty, pretty lengthy uh, conversation. But the one thing that I forgot to leave out, or I forgot to t- talk about, was uh, there was a big scene in uh, in the ride in Journey to Imagination where the Dreamfinder, who is the the protagonist of the ride, he had this. Uh, he was standing in front of a gigantic mural, and it was one of the first scenes you see as you come out of the Dreamport, uh, but the or the turntable, but the. Uh, there's a gigantic mural and he would stand in front of it and he would have a gigantic paintbrush and he would he'd be painting the mural but he'd turn to the audience or the Omnimover and say a couple lines but what was funny about that was uh, my trainer was like oh do you know that that Dreamfinder wears a thong and I was like what? He's like, she's like yeah he wears a big white thong so one night after training we <laughs> peeled back his clothing and it's not like a thong that you would think. I thought it was like a, a funny joke, like with, with the Bonnie Appetit face or the hidden Mickey. But really what it was, is it was just a big white, what was a thong that kind of fit under the, uh, between the legs of the Dreamfinder to keep his clothing tight, his upper clothing tight. But it was funny. There was a big running joke about the Dreamfinder's white thong. And, and uh, just one of those things that, if you work there, you'd joke about it. If you didn't 
you would know anything about it and it would just be kind of one of those inside jokes that uh, us attractions hosts at, at Hista and iMatch would laugh about uh, Dreamfinder's Giant Thong so I don't know if any other uh, uh, other animatronics have thongs I would assume that they do so to keep their clothing tight especially ones that moved a lot so I don't know when I worked at the great movie ride we never checked to see if the witch in the Oz scene had a thong I thought that might have been a little weird so, possibly. I don't know. Maybe you guys out there work at attractions and you know. But there's a little something for you. So, moving over to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. This was, uh, if, you don't, if you don't know, a, a 3D adventure, or a 4D adventure as we would put it, where Wayne Zielinski was receiving the Inventor of the Year Award and uh, was being honored by Dr. Nigel Channing and his family was there and the audience was there so the whole idea was that you were at this award show to watch Wayne Zielinski get this award and of course him being the absent-minded professor that he is things would inevitably go wrong so Gigabyte the snake would show up um, as well as Cork the dog and uh, there was a uh, the, the, the doctor would come in on a hover pod and then the hover pod doesn't work right and he loses the remote control and all these crazy things that will inevitably happen with a Disney attraction and the, the kind of penultimate scene uh, is that you would be sh accidentally shrunk by the shrinking and enlarging machine and then you'd be picked up by Adam which is Wayne Zielinski's youngest son and Diane, his wife, would be there, and of course, uh, she would play the hapless, uh, hapless side, you know, character in in all of this. But uh, there's a big joke about her lines. She's the way she delivered the lines. You could just totally phoned it in. I don't think she really wanted to do it, but she wanted to cash a check. So if you watch it, you can just see how she just doesn't want to doesn't want to put it all forward. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, the the the, uh, the fun part of it was that uh, the you know, seats would have bits and pieces that would move and activate, and uh, we would spray you with water, and then the floor would actually move. So when Adam picked you up, when you were uh, shrunk to shrunk into the size of uh, a flea, uh, he'd pick you up, and uh, the, the floor would move. And... Uh, the way that this was activated was underneath the floor, there were these gigantic uh, inflatable bags, big rubber bags, like huge rubber bags, and I think there were 15 or 20 of them, and they would inflate and raise the floor up, but they would do it in, in some kind of sequence where it would feel very natural. You know, you'd be able to pivot and, and shift and not make it feel like it's a like an, an arm, a robotic arm that was trying to move you. So... Uh, if you never knew that, there are actually these gigantic airbags that would just pop up. They'd be inflated and lift you up just maybe two inches off the uh, off the, you know kind of the, the point where you were level before, and it was all sync uh, sync to the movie. So when you move to the left, or Adam moved you to the left, then the floor moved to the left, and you moved to the right, and Adam moved to the right, and and that way it really felt 4D. There was a whole lot more of the motion than. Um, you know, than just what was before with Captain EO, which was some laser effects and 
and additional projection and uh and things like that so it really was a neat novel attraction and uh it was a lot of fun to watch it was not that fun to work uh in the theater but there were um there are other points of it that were good. So talking about the rotation, there was a greeter rotation. There was a greeter position. So you'd be all the way at the bottom of the walkway and you just, you know, welcome people in and say, yes, there's a big expo. You know, there's a big award show going on. And Dr. Wayne Zielinski is here and he's getting, he's receiving the Adventure of the Year Award. So come on in and watch it. And uh, so guests would walk in and there would be um, a holding area, a gigantic holding area and some of the world's most proficient uh, inventors had pictures on the wall. I just remember George Washington Carver, the inventor of peanut butter, was on there. So you'd hang out there, and then you'd walk through a position called Photocell. And Photocell had two um, two cast members, and they would hand out your 3D goggles, the yellow goggles that were polarized to uh, to enjoy the 3D movie that was coming up. So there was Photocell, and then you would, uh, as a guest, would walk into pre-show and see uh, a a show uh, that really hawked the sponsor Kodak's, uh, you know, really gave them a lot of branding effort. So there was uh, just this True Colors uh, pre-show, and it was nice and uh, very, very, you know, emotional. It tugged at your heartstrings. And then once that was done, uh, a voiceover of a character would invite you into the theater, so the doors would pop open. And the guests would go into the theater, and as the theater host rotation, you actually had to spiel. I don't know if you remember this, but you would get up on a podium right next to the screen and say, Welcome to the Adventure of the Year Awards show. Please no eating, drinking, flash photography. And then there was on a sequence that would, you would, that would, something would shoot off, and some sparks would go off, and much like something happened with Wayne Zielinski and the podium and so some sparks and some smoke would go off and he'd say of course no smoking please enjoy the show and I remember that was like my first like that was my first real like spieling type of experience and I remember going through training and just flubbing it over and over and over again because I I couldn't get the sequencing down I couldn't get the timing down because once you got up to that podium you hit a green button and that meant the timer was going to start so that smoke and that spark was going to happen regardless if you were ready or not so I for some reason I could never nail it and, and it took me forever but finally nailed it and within that scene within that that position and rotation you would sit uh, by the exit doors and just keep your eye on uh, on the audience um, there were 3d or there were night vision goggles for a while and then they disappeared and so you could see a little bit better uh, but the big thing to worry about was once the floor started moving it was uh, there was a part where the snake gigabyte like attacked, attacked you, and it used to scare a lot of children. So the parents would grab the kid and try and walk off, and because the floor would move regardless, uh, people would trip. Or there was a time when someone got their foot caught in between the floors, uh, the moving floor and the other floor, and so you had to be ready for that, and you had to make sure that if anything happened, you could hit an e stop and and shut it all down immediately. Um, but watching that show, can you imagine watching that show over and over and over again? And the first couple of times, you're like, oh, this is fun. Like, I like it. I like the show. And then you're like, oh, you're just reciting the lines in your head and you're looking for anything else to focus on besides that movie. 
just hoping something would happen so you could kind of break the monotony. And then uh, lastly, there were two positions at the exit, and that's where you, as a guest, would put your 3D goggles into a bin, and, uh, and then we would recycle those goggles. So those goggles wouldn't go back to the front of Photocell. If you recall in episode three, I talked about there was uh, uh, someone in the, the bowels of, of Journey and Imagination that basically cleaned these goggles. They put them onto a tray, and they were steam cleaned. So, uh, But what you had to do is you had to collect those goggles. So they were about four trash bin-looking things that you would dump your goggles in, and then we as cast members would have to stack them. We would have to collect them and stack them. And if you ever exit the ride, you'll see on the right there's like a something that's flush with the wall, but it kind of sticks out a little bit. It's actually a table that uh, you can unhinge and it folds down once uh, the guests have left and the next show started. So you could take these goggles and you could stack them up. And I think the show held 250 people, 300 people. So we would go through and we would collect these goggles and then um, basically uh, walk them over to uh, to be cleaned. So you'd have to do this after every show and every show is five minutes maybe. I don't remember how long the show was. So that was another thing. It was like just racing against the clock and uh, they would be collecting these gigantic bags in, in these bins. So you just basically open up the top of the bin, grab the bag and then start stacking the goggles. And I remember one time a, a colleague of mine, eh, he hated working there. He hated it. And he, every time that he would have to work that position, he would take one of the bags and he would just slam it against the ground and just break as many glasses as he could. And I was like, dude, what are you like? What are you doing? He's like, oh, I hate these damn goggles. I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm tired of it. And I hate this position. And this is going to be this is a message. I was like, whatever, man, like <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Um, but a lot of times people would break the goggles anyway. So. Uh, I don't think anyone asked a lot of questions, but I would have if I would have shown up every time the guy was working and there were like 50, 60 broken goggles each time. Um, but then there was also another position where you would stand outside because people would, for some reason, want to steal the goggles. They would think that they're really cool and they'd wear them the rest of the day and they don't they don't do anything. Uh, I think we used to say that they, the sunlight's bad. and They might, I don't know, they might, but we just didn't want you to walk away with with glasses so we would stand there and just like grab them off of people and they'd be like oh I forgot like yeah whatever fine and uh and so that was the position that was the ride so there really wasn't much to it and there was nothing really ever too exciting um about the about that show but I do remember there used to be a camera store right out uh in between outside in between photo cell and in between the exit of the ride and I would never see anyone go into that store. And I remember there was a girl that worked there and she was like the the most miserable person in the world because nobody would ever, ever go into that camera store. I mean, all they sold was like Kodak cameras and I think they were like 80, 90, up to like $200. So no one would, would ever go in there. And uh, and so every once in a while, I would people would ask for film or for a map and I'd send them in there just to give her somebody to talk to I've always felt so bad like through the window at Photocell and she would just be like you know this is days before cell phones way before cell phones and maybe Zach Morris phones that nobody you know used uh, or owned so she would just sit there and her head in her hands on the table and just wait for somebody to go through and, and me working in merchandise like I got it I totally understood and uh, and so I would try and throw her some business when I could 
but the really it was nothing uh, nothing too exciting um, I, I'd say the highlight was we got to wear uh, we got to wear lab coats these great lab coats the imagination imagination Institute I think is what they were and uh, it was still the journey of imagination costume but there was um, a little added element to um, to the costume that we got to wear over there and then uh, I think that was the first time I had a negative guest experience and like negative guest experience like they're f- it's fine but when you go through traditions and you work at Disney for so long like it's it's hammered into you that guests should never have a negative cast experience I mean granted you're gonna have a negative experience today because it's super hot in Florida it's overcrowded the prices are out of control studios is like half shut so people are naturally just kind of and you know people are a little more entitled I think today than feel entitled than the than they used to be but anyways so the big thing is like if if someone goes to guest relations and says they have a bad time and they name you then it's like you don't get fired but like then there's a huge talk and and with your supervisors of like what the problem was or how can we make this better and maybe you go to a class and I was usually just a happy-go-lucky guy. Like, I'm very chill. And, but I was 17, 18, uh, 18, I think, when this happened. But I remember when you would come into, when a guest would come into the, the attraction, and I mean the big holding room, it was a long walk from the front doors up to photo cell. And there was a certain time where you had to cut off the rope. Uh, even if the sh- if the pre-show is full or if there's a certain time when we're getting ready to load into theater like you have to shut it off and the the holding area was totally empty and uh, a lady walked in just walked in just as I was closing off the the line into pre-show and and then like two and a half minutes later she finally made it up and she was like why'd you close it off and I was like oh because our show's starting we're about to get you the next one it should be about six minutes and she was like, you know, huffing and puffing and angry because she could see that pre-show wasn't full. And she's, she's like, well, no one's even in there. Like, why can't I go in? And I said, because there's a, we had to cut it off. There's a time cut off. I'll be right back. And then I, I loaded the pre-show and I came back and she was there and she was talking to my other cast member and she was like screaming and yelling. And she's like, this is unacceptable. I'm the I'm a customer here and he was rude to me and he shut this off in my face and I was like I didn't shut it off in your face and I think my my youth probably um, precluded me from handling it a little more professionally but I just like I didn't cut you off you were at the front like what are you talking about and then we had since she missed the next show because she was too busy yelling and then we had to get a supervisor and he came in and she was like this guy this kid should be fired he was totally mean and I'm like I this is insane I I, I did my job and I and I was polite and I said we'll get you in the next one you're gonna have great seats totally the Disney way totally the traditions way and I remember that there were exit doors uh, right outside of Photoshop photo cell and I was so angry that I threw the doors open and I stormed off and I like took my lab coat and I crumpled it up like in front of everybody it's like in front of guests in front of my manager everything I was so angry because this was like the first time I had a bad experience my whole time at, at iMag, Adventureland merchandise, super greeting. I like always had a 
a good time. I mean, there were tense times, but nothing ever where, like, Guess was, like, super pissed off at me, and I was so angry. I went into that that camera shop and just cooled down, and my manager came by, and I told him what happened, and he was like, nah, she was a total bitch. Don't worry about it. You're you're totally fine. And, uh, and I remember she, I had to go to unload, and she was coming out of the theater to unload, and I stood right in front of her, and I was like, I need your glasses. I need your goggles. And she was like, fine. I'm like, ugh, go away. No one wants you here. Go away. And that was like the first time I really was like, I understood that there are there were guests there whose sole purpose is to make cast members feel like their job is to wait on those guests hand and foot. And I was so angry and I was just like, how how do people do how are people like this? And I was just so unbelievably turned off by it. And it's still, this is the thing, it sits in my head. I've worked so many different attraction shops, but she was like the first one she got in my head. still there. But, you know, screw her, right? (laughs) So, I wonder what she's doing these days. Anyways, so that's Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. It uh, was a very easy job. It's a pretty boring job, but uh, luckily the the cast, my fellow castmates, made it it totally worthwhile. They were... Uh, definitely a lot of fun a lot of fun another thing that we had to do when we worked in that that uh, uh, um, business unit that's what they call business location sees um, our uh, image hista is um, it was actually in conjunction with the living seas so it was called uh, image seas or seas image and they were kind of run by one manager or one team of managers and so once in a while I would have to go over to, to the living seas and work the hydrolators and work the the load and the unload of the omni movers, but uh, I didn't really have to do it that much. Uh, but I always enjoyed it because I liked looking at the fish and and I kind of liked being indoors like that. But uh, luckily, I I wasn't one of those cast members that would do three days at IMAG and two days at seas. I was basically just just an IMAG guy and uh, I learned a lot. I I'd have to say I really. That's probably the place where I, I cut my teeth on the realities of working uh, for the Walt Disney Company, just because there was a, I had a lot more visibility into a lot more things. I'm, I, I uh, for example, I've, I've, I'm an idea guy. I mean, that's what I do for a living now. And, and I, uh, I remember the monorail used to cross just, just kind of over where the entrance of the ride is. And I used to think to myself, would it be cool if we use the monorail to like to advertise things, you know, um, just you know whatever was going on, fun way to do it. I remember I took a picture of it. A friend of mine sketched a couple like ads and put it on um, like clear plastic so you could drape it over the picture. So here's the picture of the monorail, and then you drape this thing over, and uh, and then there was the you know the ad superimposed on the monorail and I remember giving it to my manager and he was like yeah this is I have a friend in marketing and and this is a neat idea and and I was all excited to pitch it and I was all excited to like oh this is gonna be a thing and I never saw the the picture disappeared and I never heard anything more about it and then like you know 10 years later five years later then they're you know graffitied all the monorails are graffitied with ads now and so I always kind of was wondering I was like is that me did I did I help influence it probably not because there's 85 billion people that work at Disney, but I was like, okay, well, I, I, I'm here to work rides. That's what I do. 
And uh, so I did it, and I had a lot of fun. I would um, definitely make it worthwhile. I used to prank everybody all the time. There was a time with it, uh, during Imagination, I would be at load one, which is basically the console before you, you board the ride, and you could look out to greet her, and, uh, and the greeter would be standing there, and there's a phone out there, and I used to call the, the greeter, and I'd be like, oh, hey, this is Chip from... Uh, Centurium, uh, which was a shop at Communicore at the time, and uh, I was like, "I have a guest who, who's trying to get to Journey Imagination. Can you can you help me get there?" And and uh, they'd be like, "Yeah." So what you want to do is you want to make a left, and I was like, "Okay." So you want to go like towards Universe of Energy, and he's like, "No, no, go the other way and make a left." And I was like, "Wait, left? Like, <laughs> just." I'd have everyone else rolling on the floor just because I'd let this thing go on for like 10 minutes and just totally screw with the greeter because uh, as I mentioned before the ride was was rarely rarely full so I would kind of be the class clown at that ride but um, it was fun it was a good time it was a really good time and uh, one of the things I'd say I'd love the most was at the end of the night we would um, basically have to walk down this walkway that kind of led guests towards Canada. They were leaving IMAG or leaving Interventions and Communicore there. It would take them to the World Showcase. And once Illuminations let out, guests would want to come up and, and walk towards Journey to Imagination and the land and, and seas. And we would cut them off and basically say, you can't go this way, the park's closed go and kind of funnel them to that main walkway that takes you straight towards Spaceship Earth and there was this music that used to play after Illuminations that was like this this groove this awesome like baseline groove that I love to to work that because I would listen to this music and I used to think to myself that's the coolest song it's totally cheesy. It's totally a theme park song, but I'm way into theme park music. And I, uh, I, w- I remember thinking to myself, I literally remember thinking to myself at that, at that job, I'm never going to hear the song again. I'm only going to hear it here. Like there's no CD of it. There's no record of it. This is way before the internet was anything. I mean, it was around, but it was nothing. And MP3s were nothing. And digital music was nothing outside of CDs. And, uh, I was so jazzed to be able to find it online, and so it's still one of those songs that I love to listen to, and uh, makes me think of my days at Journey to Imagination. So I'd also like to talk about just some of the other things that I experienced at Epcot as a as a cast member. Uh, the overall experience, I I remember. <clears throat> I should have brought this up in, in episode three, but I remember when I started, I had to go through like another. It wasn't a traditions class, 
but it was you know getting to know Epcot class and all the new hires just like traditions or Magic Kingdom we would all get together in a training area backstage and would learn about Future World and we'd learn about World Showcase and they uh, they the two facilitators uh, would send us on a scavenger hunt and we would have to find all these different things you know we'd be out there for a couple of hours and we'd have to meet like at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock like if you um you guys know where the stage is the stage in future world it's right next to the the fountains that shoot water with the music there's a there's a stage there and uh on the ground there's like the original epcot emblem or logo if you look on google maps you'll see it it's all these concentric circles kind of locked together and that was the original emblem it's still there as far as i know i think it's still there but i remember we had to meet there at at like 12 o'clock and all of a sudden like the music got low and and over the PA it was like ladies and gentlemen please welcome our newest Epcot cast members <laughs> so we're standing there and like you can totally tell it's up, even though we don't have our name tags on because we're out on the scavenger hunt like we're all in khakis and polo shirts and dresses for the for the ladies and like everyone stops and looks at us and starts clapping and I'm like oh god just don't <laughs> so cheesy but the other thing that that they did when we got back into the trailer where they're training us like they were in another room and we all sat down and like we're all in good spirits because we just went on a scavenger hunt like everyone's gotten to know each other and the day is pretty good and like you could hear them uh behind the door and the wall like screaming at each other and like yelling at each other and uh somebody like i was throwing things or something was like dropped and then one of the facilitators like opened up the door and like stormed out and we're like what the hell just happened like oh my gosh what is this and then she, uh, she came out of the room and he came back in and they were like aha they're like so cheesy they were like this just goes to show you that like you've got to be ready for anything and everything and I was like oh that was so cheesy like, but some people were like oh yeah, yeah. Like, some people were writing that down like but the whole thing was they had to stage this whole this whole thing to make you be like oh yeah I've, I've got to be ready for everything I gotta be ready I'm like this punk kid I'm like okay leave the theatrics aside like what do I need to know tell me about where I'm working and and how to do my job uh lastly the, the thing I want to talk about is uh it's just getting to meet different attractions folks and being able to uh, kind of have access to their attractions once the guests uh, left, once the, the park was closed. And uh, there was a buddy of mine who's a friend of my brother's who worked at Spaceship Earth. And I remember one night I was waiting for my brother to get off of work and we and this guy and I know each other really well, and so he's like, "Hey, you wanna, like, you wanna walk around spaceship?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Yeah, it's, just, it's closed. Like, let's just walk around spaceship. I'll show you around." And I was like, "Wait, really? That's pretty sweet." So, um, the ride was basically shut down, and they turned the work lights on, and we took, uh, we basically, kind of hiked up, uh, for most of the ride and uh, checked out some of the show scenes as they were, uh, you know, turned off and the lights were on and 
uh, a couple of things, if you don't know, but uh, that base at Spaceship Earth, where it's all mirrored, is actually a, it's a cargo elevator. It's a huge service elevator. Where, um, I don't know how much of it they use anymore, but that's how they got a lot of the scenes, and a lot of the pieces of the scenes up into the ride. And so uh, you would basically uh, be able to see this thing. And, and it looks like a, you know, like a loft elevator, but it's massive. And, and so you would see that thing opened up at night and it's like totally no frills, you know, no themed elevator. But uh, I, I always heard it was a, like a myth, but it's true. And some of the other things that was, was really neat was if you get to the very top where you see the stars and the, the earth in the distance, that's what that's, that's called 180 top because it's 180 feet up. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but the ride was supposed to go up even more. But unfortunately, the design was flawed. So that's why the, the uh, decline back down is so sharp. But if you were to see the lights on, the infrastructure for the track still curves up. And you can kind of make it out where if, you, if your eyes are really adjusted to the dark. You can see how it still kind of coils up, um, not quite towards the, the earth, but uh, it, you can, it goes all the way up. And uh, I think there's some stuff up there, um, but there's like this unfinished piece of Spaceship Earth that I've always heard about and never saw, so it's neat. And then the last thing was, he was like, hey, you wanna go out onto the skin? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, the skin, like there's, there's the ride, there's the the inner workings of the ride, and then there's the Alcabond, uh, you know, the silver triangles, and there is a, it, it's, they're not, I always thought that they were totally fixed together, or for the most part, maybe there was a couple drainage areas where, where you know, workmen can get out there, uh, but he's like, no, go check it out, so in the Renaissance scene, nope, sorry, in the scene where the monk is asleep, transcribing some of the the, the the Roman works. If you walk back there, there's like this garage door. Like it's like this, or not garage door, sorry. It's like a, uh, a refrigerator door, like an old school 50s refrigerator door with a huge latch and you'd pop that open and you would walk out and there was like a gangplank and there's like a curved gangplank and it ele- you know, goes up and down and all over. And you can you can basically see in between the the Alcabond triangles and you can look right down onto the you know out into the park and it's like a freaky because there's not much to this little walkway it's like this little steel walkway and and you tell me you know you're like you don't want to be out there long and I'm sure we weren't supposed to be out there but whatever it was a different time I guess and uh you know we were known for I was known for exploring the park so uh it, it was really really freaky but it was cool in the same sense and I wish this was before digital cameras and I wish I had a camera with me and I never snapped any pictures of it but it was it was neat it was uh, something you you don't really get to see all the time and then uh there was also right by that door there was like an old beer can and the beer can was like from 1980 like 83 and it was, it's been there forever. It's like old and dusty. And I guess that's like a thing. 
I don't know if it's still there, but this old beer can was like, yeah, so if you just go to the monks, you make a right, and then a left at the beer can, you can open up the door and you can go out there. And and so it was pretty exciting. It was, it was cool. These are the things that I never thought I would, I would get to experience uh, if I were not a, a cast member. So uh, a lot of great, great, great memories of that park. And um, even though I'd left Epcot, I would come back uh, about three years later two years later to start doing um, Tapestry Nations, which will be uh, another conversation. So, wow, this has gone long. So forgive me for going a little bit about the, the continuation of, of my previous story about Honey Shrunk the Audience and Journey and Imagination. Um, so I'm going to cut it off, but uh, I hope you're enjoying this. Um, I've, I've, I've released the first three episodes, and so far... It's been positive. So for those of you who have listened and given me feedback, thanks very much. For those of you who have just listened, thank you. And uh, and I would urge you, I hope that you would share um, so that more people can hear the story. If you think folks would, would enjoy this, then uh, I'd love to continue to make it. In fact, I've created a Twitter handle, at WDWTales, as well as an Instagram, WDWTales, and a website, WDWTales.com as well as a Facebook page. So I think what I'm going to do with some of those, besides uh, announcing new episodes are out, is maybe share some old cast member pictures. I've always kind of boxed them up because for the most part, they're pretty embarrassing in some of the costumes I had to wear. Uh, But I I should scan them and upload them and and see what you guys think. But uh, again, I hope you're enjoying this. I I really do uh, enjoy sharing these stories. So, um, you know, let me know what you think. I, w- I would love to hear your feedback. And uh, I'll see you next time.